Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. The one theme you find over and over in the Bible are three words. Sin, judgment, grace. Sin, judgment, grace. For instance, the first sin, Adam and Eve eat the fruit. The judgment, they're kicked out of the garden, but grace, God makes them clothing. The next sin in the Bible, sin, Cain kills Abel. Judgment, Cain will be a, a fugitive from the, for the rest of his life, but grace, God puts a mark on Cain so people won't kill him. A little later in Genesis, sin, all the world sins against God. Judgment, he floods the world. Grace, he chooses Noah and saves mankind through Noah. One more, the Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis. Sin, the pride of, of mankind building the tower. Judgment, God confuses their language. But grace, God chooses Abraham, and from that point on, there's going to be a chosen people. The biggest sin, judgment, grace story in the Bible is this. You and I have sinned. Judgment, God punishes Jesus for our sins so we could be forgiven. And grace, Jesus rises from the dead and saves all who will believe in him. What I want us to do in this half hour is talk about the story of the first two brothers when Cain killed Abel. And we're going to see sin, judgment, and grace play out. Would you take a Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 4, and let's look at sin, judgment, and grace in the case of Cain. Let's pray first. Father, we all are sinners, and we want to pray that for anyone watching this program who is wondering if you're going to be gracious and forgive their sins, that you will turn that person to Christ and bring the grace of God now. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, sin of Cain, judgment on Cain, grace to Cain. First, let's see, what was Cain's sin? We're going to see there are probably eight of sins of Cain. Uh, look at verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 of Genesis. Now the man, Adam, had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain, first human born. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. The first sin of Cain, perhaps he only gave leftovers. I mean, it says that Abel gave the firstlings the best to the Lord. So maybe by implication, the first sin of Cain is he just gave God the leftovers. <laughs> Second sin of Cain, verse 5. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. His second sin was jealousy of his brother. How come God took his and he wouldn't take mine? 
Jealousy is a sin. I mean, I, I was sitting in a conference once, and these pre- preachers were preaching the best messages, and I started getting jealous. You know, I wish I could preach like that, and, and as, as if the Lord said, Tom, praise God that these people can preach so well. They're winning people to Christ. Isn't that a good thing? So when you get jealous, stop and praise God for the gifts that he's given to others. The third sin of Cain after leftovers and jealousy, and this one is not in Genesis 4. We've got to wait till thousands of years later when the New Testament is written, and John the Apostle writes this in 1 John 3 about Cain. Quote, Why did Cain murder Abel? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. The third sin of Cain was guilt. When his brother did something right, it made him feel horrible because he was so bad in contrast. And the first martyr in the Bible is Abel at the hands of his brother Cain. Fourth sin of Cain, look back at verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. The fourth sin of Cain was he failed to master his flesh. You know, God warns him, and instead of fighting his flesh, he just gave in to it and killed. Fifth sin, verse 8. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother. The next sin of Cain, he ignored God's warning. You know, God had warned him, you know, sin is crouching at the door. You've got to be careful. And instead he says, hey, brother, let's go into the field. And he ignores God's warning. The next sin of Cain, verse 8, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. The next sin is murder. And then the next sin after the murder, verse 9, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? The next sin is lying. He lied about it. One last sin of Cain that we don't find out about till thousands of years later in the New Testament when the book of Hebrews is written. It says this in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he, Abel, received approval as righteous, God bearing witness by accepting Abel's gifts. Abel died, but through his faith he is still speaking. So if Abel had faith, probably what did Cain have? Doubt. I think we can assume somehow when he was offering up his offering, he was doing it in doubt and not in faith. Martin Luther taught that doubt is the root of every sin. Think about it. Every time you sin, isn't it because somewhere you're doubting God's way is what's best for you? So let's review. What was Cain's sin? Well, he gave leftovers. He was jealous. He failed to master his flesh. He ignored God's warning. He murdered. He lied. uh, And he doubted. Those are his sins. All right, remember, it goes sin, then judgment, than grace. What was the judgment on Cain because of what he did? Look at verse 10. There's two judgments coming. Then God said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, 
which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Did you see there are two judgments now on Cain? Number one, no crops. The land won't produce for you anymore. And number two, you'll be a fugitive. You'll be roaming the earth from now on. So we've got his sin. Now we've got his judgment. Now let's see God's grace. Verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I will be hidden, and I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, we're not sure what it was, uh, so that no one finding him would kill him. So it goes sin, he got the judgment, now he gets the grace, and the grace is the mark of protection. Even though Cain had sinned terribly, God still in his grace protects Cain. I would guess every Christian watching this show could tell me a story of sin, judgment, and grace in your life. A time that you sinned, and then you experienced God's discipline on you because of that sin, but you also experienced his grace on you through the whole thing. That is the sin, judgment, grace story of Cain. What I want to do for the rest of the sermon now is share with you some general lessons I get from that story for our lives today. General lesson number one. Take care not to pass your rebellion on to your children. Obviously, Adam and Eve passed their sin on to their sons, and one killed the other. Are you passing your sins on to your children. I can remember here was a teenage girl in our youth group and the youth director discovers that she's smoking pot with her mother and her mother was smoking pot with her and it was difficult but our youth director had to confront the mom what are you doing? What she was doing was passing her sin onto her kids. I was eight years old when I discovered dad's boxes of pornography in the garage. That messed me up. Are you passing your sins onto your kids? And let me say this, mom and dad, we live in a day and age where you have to have a talk with your kids about sex. If they don't hear from you that sex outside of marriage is a sin, believe me, they're not going to hear it at MTV. They're not going to hear it at Planned Parenthood. Mom and Dad, you have to have a talk with your kids about waiting till they're married to have sex. 1 Corinthians 6 says fornicators don't go to heaven. It's important for you to have that talk. And sometimes you get, yeah, but I wasn't, I wasn't pure before my wedding day, so who am I to talk to my kids? You have to still, don't let past guilt and sin keep you from doing your duty. You say, Jimmy, Susie, I blew it. I want something better for you. I want you to wait till you're married to have sex. Don't pass your sins onto your kids. Pass your righteousness onto your kids. I thought of my grandma Lowski. She was probably the Christian in our family. I remember her saying, I pray for you grandkids. And I wonder if I'm a Christian today because of Grandma Lowski's prayers. You can pass your rebellion onto your kids, or you can pass your righteousness onto your kids. Second general lesson that I get from Cain. Do you give first fruits or leftovers to the Lord? Uh, 
Cain gave the first fruit, and excuse me, Cain gave the leftovers and was cursed. Abel gave the first fruits and was blessed. And how do you give? Do you know what the best month is for the church for giving? It's always December. And people wait until the end of the year and see if anything's left over, and then they give it to the Lord. That shows no faith. Instead of being a leftover Cain, be a first fruits Abel where I'm going to give to the Lord all year long, not waiting to see if something's left over. That shows faith that he's going to take care of me. And then look and see if the Lord blesses you. A pig and a hen were walking down the road. They see a big billboard. Ham and eggs breakfast. The hen says to the pig, shall we go? And the pig says, oh no, for you to go, it's a contribution. For me to go, it's a sacrifice. How do you give? Do you just give contributions maybe at the end of the year if there's something left over? Or do you sacrifice? Do you weekly now give to the Lord all year long? In England, there are two gravestones. Gravestone number one says this. Here lies a miser who lived for himself and cared for nothing but gathering wealth. Now where he is or how he fares, nobody knows and nobody cares. But there's a second gravestone in England. Sacred to the memory of Charles George Gordon, who at all times and everywhere gave his strength to the weak, his substance to the poor, his sympathy to the suffering, his heart to God. Which of those two gravestones will be yours? I read of an Indian chief who converted to Christ, and he was wealthy, and he would give large sums of money to mission work. And one day the missionary said, why are you so lavish in your giving? And the Indian chief looked at the missionary and said, ah, you have never been in the darkness, have you? <laughs> the reason we give God our first fruits is I was in the darkness and Jesus saved me. Next lesson I get from Cain and Abel. Fight to master your sin. God said, Cain, sin is crouching at the door for you. you got to fight. There is a fight to the Christian life. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9. Paul writes, I beat my body and make it my slave, lest possibly after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Do you fight? like we've preached before on this show, do you have an accountability partner, a Christian person you talk with and pray with about your sins? Men, Google the, the, the words National Coalition for Purity. If you've got a porn problem or a sex problem, get in a group of men where you'll pray for each other and hold each other accountable. There's a fight to be fought today. Next lesson I learned from Cain and Abel. Are you ignoring God's warning? God warned Cain, look, sin is crouching at the door, and Cain ignored the warning. Are you ignoring God, God's word? How dusty is your Bible? Do you read your Bible every day or just now and then or never? You're ignoring God's warning. There, there's a saying I love, and it is, the Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. The Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. I like this other phrase too. Either this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. 
Either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Read your Bible. Another lesson from Cain and Abel. We are our brother's keeper. Cain's snippy remark back to God, I don't know where he is. What am I, my brother's keeper? And the answer is, why, yes, you are. And you know that's true for us. We are accountable to one another. You are your brother's keeper. Jesus said in, in Luke uh, 17, if your brother sins, rebuke him. In other words, if you see me sinning, it's your duty to kindly, gently take me aside and say, you know, Tom, that's wrong. I had to confront somebody recently about something. I hate this. <laughs> for me, conflict and confronting people is one of the hardest things I have to do. I just don't like it. But if we love people, we'll do it because we are our brother's keeper. Another lesson from Cain, innocent blood cries out to God. God said, your brother's blood is crying out to me. When there's innocent bloodshed, that cries out to heaven. And I couldn't help but think of the United States of America where every fourth baby we pull apart and destroy in the womb. There's lots of innocent blood crying out to God right now in the United States. And it's just not abortion. It's shootings now in the schools. We have a big violence problem now in the United States. And it's crying out to God. Another lesson from Cain and Abel. God judges through hardship. Cain had sinned, and so from now on, Cain, you're not going to get crops and you're going to be a fugitive. And God judges people through hardship. And maybe you're going through a hardship right now. Maybe God is using that to bring you back out of the world, back close to himself. There's a saying, some people only look up when they're on their back. And I can remember, you know, I would go visit people in the hospital, and here's a guy that hasn't been in church for eight years, but now that he's suffering and maybe facing death, now he wants to talk to somebody about God, which is good, but don't be that way. Don't only be turning to the Lord when you're on your back. Last lesson from Cain and Abel. God has mercy on sinners. God had mercy on Cain. God has mercy on sinners. Somebody asked me, can you kill somebody and go to heaven? And I said, well, you'll see King David in heaven, and he murdered Uriah, committed adultery with Bathsheba, but he repented. And you'll see the Apostle Paul in heaven. He gave hearty approval to the persecution of the church before he got converted. I think if he meant business, you'll see mass murderer Ted Bundy in heaven. I don't know if you ever saw the interview in, in prison before the electric chair, but he says he repented and turned to Christ. If he meant business, I think he's in heaven. And people say, well, that's not fair. Look, for any of us to get into heaven isn't fair. <laughs> um, John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church in England in the 1700s, was known for his holiness of life. But when he was 75 years old, he wrote this entry in his diary, God, have mercy on me a sinner. Wesley knew he is Ted Bundy. We all are. <laughs> so it, it, let's close this, but the main lesson I want to get you, the sin, judgment, grace lesson I want you to get from Cain is, even if you've horribly sinned, if you will turn to God, turn to Jesus Christ, ask his forgiveness, the main lesson is God has grace and mercy on sinners. Amen. 
Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insight to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, can we talk a little bit more from what you've just been saying? Do you think the theme of sin, judgment, and grace can be found in modern times today? I think if you read world history, you can see it. I'll give you a, just what comes to mind right now. I can say this because I'm German. <laughs> Germany was very sinful in the 20th century. World War I and II, thank you, Germany. And, there, you know, the sins of Nazism and Hitler. Then came judgment. I mean, whole cities were bombarded and destroyed in Germany. But you sure see God's grace. Germany has prospered after uh, it took a while, of course, but Germany's prospering. There's an example of sin, judgment, grace, and I think you could find lots of things like that in history. Okay. Do you think there are some some of our sins today? What do you think some of our sins today in America are? Mm -hmm. The big sins, from my opinion, in the bi in in America today is abortion. We kill babies like crazy in America. It's very evil. And sadly, we've got lots of politicians that think, think it's fine to continue with unrestricted abortion on demand for any reason. I don't know if a lot of people don't realize you can abort a baby in the eighth month of pregnancy, and that's legal. Um, so abortion would be a big one, Jackie. Now that we have gay marriage in many states, I think that's spitting in God's face and asking for judgment. Uh, pornography is, is a huge sin in America. We, America is the producer and exporter of pornography worldwide. It, most of it comes from Southern California. Uh, another big sin would be um, uh, just, you know, all the filthiness just on regular television, premarital sex. Those are some of the big ones. Okay. Has God brought any judgment on America, do you think? I. Yes, I do think he has, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm grateful and a little surprised he hasn't brought more. But let's go way back. I think 9-11 was the judgment of God. I mean, I just read, Jackie, about what's happening in Europe. Europe doesn't go to church anymore. Used to be lots of Christian nations in Europe. They don't go to church anymore. You know what's becoming very strong in Europe? Islam. And they're finding horrible things happening as, as some of the Muslims try to enforce Sharia law in the Netherlands, and it's scaring people. So I think... I think 9-11 was a wake-up call to America. I think uh, if we don't repent, we've got more of that coming. Islam is spreading, though, I think almost more rapidly than some of the other things. Well, so, because you're seeing so much more of yeah, it. Yeah, you are. Now, here's the deal, though. The good news is, the number one religion, numbers-wise, in the world is Christianity. Number two is Islam. Part of, that, part of that is Muslims have very large families, and sadly, Christians have gotten away from that. So just by population, they can maybe be taking over. Yeah. So is God still having grace on America then? Yeah, I For think all so. I mean, Jackie, think does? with all the, way, the ways we spit in God's face, America's still here. And I, really, I, I expected more 9-11s after that ha happened many years ago. And we haven't had more 9-11s. So God has been very gracious to the United States.
Pastor Brock, you talked about giving of your first fruits. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what are your first fruits? Yeah. In the Old Testament, the, the Jews gave their first fruits. When the crop came in, they gave, we'll say, the ten, first 10% went to the temple and to the work of the Lord. And so for me, uh, I like to take immediately my, let's, this is one way to do it. Um, I like to give it the first of the month for all the, all the month that I know is coming in. And but that's one way to do it. But just weekly give is a good, good thing and not wait till the end of the year and see if there's leftovers. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Pastor Brock, do you think parents pass their sins down on their children? Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. and they sinned, and then their children sinned. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Jackie, uh, Christians believe in something called original sin, and that's the doctrine, and it comes from Romans chapter 5, that you're not born sinless. You're born a sinner because Adam and Eve passed their sin on to you. And William of Buckley, who was a Catholic, said, He's dead now, but he said, quote, I like this line. Original sin is the one doctrine of the Christian faith that is empirically verifiable, meaning you can prove it. You can prove mankind is sinful. Look in the mirror. Watch the 6 o'clock news tonight. Sin is everywhere. And so sin is not something that I decide to do when I'm six years old. Uh, you're born with this thing. I know a woman, though, whose son committed suicide, and she really struggled, Pastor Brock, with the thought that it was something she had done mm -hmm. that her sins yeah. were that he took his own life. Yeah, and I think that's over overkill. That's overdoing it. Uh, when you kill yourself, you can't blame anybody but yourself for that. I got an email from someone uh, recently, like two days ago, and it seemed to me like he was trying to blame me because I wouldn't spend the time counseling him, he lives, he lives in the South. I can't, you know, and, and just, you can't blame other people for your sins. So that's overkill. But on the other hand, dad keeping boxes of pornography in our garage when I was a little kid, that hurt me. And that was dad passing on his sin. Pastor Brock, can you explain the term generational curse? Yeah. You hear that, but. Yeah. What that means is, and it means that if your parents, maybe, this is, if your parents are alcoholics, often you end up with it. And sometimes it goes back five or six generations. Or if your dad had a lust problem, you often can end up with that. And th that kind of generational sin is breakable and is broken in many people's lives by the power of Christ. Yeah. Okay, so what is original sin? Then? Original sin is what we got from Adam and Eve. We're all born sinners. Okay. They pass their sin on to us. All right. Well, I think we only have about a half a minute left here, so um, we want to thank you for watching the Pastor's Study. Right now you're seeing our website. Please check it out. It has all of our, film, uh, all of our shows from long time ago to recent, and you can share those with other people. They can see it there. We're now on national TV. You'll have to check your local listings because depending on what your service provider is, that will determine what channel you'll see us on. Thanks for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're all together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, 
Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. <laughs>